DeMichael Cole is the Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. You can follow him on Twitter at DeMichael C. DeMichael, in terms of toughest games to watch, where did last night rank? Ooh, that was for this season, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was near the top. I mean, it was. They had five points more than halfway through the first quarter, and uh, it just it never got going. It it it, it was ugly. Um, and and you try to find the silver linings, right? Well, usually the silver linings are within Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams and Jaron Jackson Jr. and those guys. But Vince Vince Williams, uh, six points, five assists. You know, yesterday, like a light game for him. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was two of twelve. Uh, Gigi was one of thirteen. Like it, it just wasn't much to take from that one. How are you? I mean, you said the silver lining. The silver lining is ultimately they they lost a game to a team they're competing with in the draft lottery stuff. <laughs> um, but like, how how are you digesting these games in terms of the franchise? I know the players. You know they'll say the right things and what well, have you. Like I found myself. I, you you probably read my column that I wrote. Like. I found yeah. myself just kind of detaching from it. Like, I just don't, like, yeah. I've seen enough from Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams to know, like, yeah, there's some potential there for next year. Now I want to see them with the actual guys, you know, the full actual lineup. I don't really care what, personally, what they look like again with this ragtag group of guys. At the same yeah. time, it will probably help in the long run to get more NBA games, especially, like, Gigi Jackson you know, under their belt. Like, how are you digesting these games? How do you, when someone asks you, like a fan asks you, like, what the heck, what should, how, what should we make of this? How are you, what are you telling yeah. them? Yeah, I mean, you, you just pretty much hit it on the nail. Like, at this point, we know what Vince Williams, you know, can do. And, and Gigi Jackson, I think you've seen enough to say, hey, he can be, you know, uh, in the rotation and potentially be like a spark off the bench. But beyond that, I feel like now it's like open tryouts for the rest of the roster. Uh, let's Lamar Stevens, for example. I feel like he can be what David Roddy was supposed to be. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there is the potential for that. From the standpoint of he's 6'6", 230 pounds, very physical. I remember when, if you go back to the David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, those guys, uh, presser the day after the draft, Taylor Jenkins up there talking about how you know, uh, Roddy, they want to use him as a you know physical presence, maybe even use him in a small ball five. Uh, role in some stretches, and that's kind of what they're doing with Lamar Stevens. And he's a you know older, more seasoned player, and he's he scoring when he's on the floor. I think he had 17 yesterday, eight of nine shooting. Uh, he knows his spots. He's comfortable out there. So it's, I feel like at this point, you're just trying to marginally improve the roster because you know pretty much what the starters are going to be outside of you know maybe that fifth starting spot. Uh, you have a pretty good idea of what most of the bench is going to look like. So now it's about, you know, not wasting roster spots on guys like, let's be honest, like the last couple years, the 12, 13, 14, 15 spots on the rosters haven't felt like uh, positive impact type players. They've just been players that you've been hopeful that they turn into those guys, but it hasn't uh, been that way uh, results-wise. We're talking to Michael Cole, the uh, Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. You can follow him on Twitter at Demichael C. Um, Demichael, you had a very interesting interview last night with Nick Claxton from the Brooklyn Nets, who has been one of the names associated uh, potentially with the Grizzlies because he's a five who is a free agent and considered 
arguably, if not the best, one of the best available, potentially available big men on the market this offseason. And he's also from South Carolina and played AAU basketball with John Morant. Um, And so he's become a trendy name of, hey, maybe this could be the guy who's the starting five next year. Um, So you went and talked to him. Good job doing that. I'm curious what you gleaned from the conversation, Um, you know, both from his perspective and the Grizzlies' perspective. How realistic a possibility do you think Nick Claxton is as a future Grizzly? So, so starting from the Grizzlies' standpoint, I, I think it's it's highly unlikely that he's on the team uh, next season because of all the. I mean, he's about to be a free agent, and he's an unrestricted free agent. And the Brooklyn Nets, you know, uh, it seems like they value him. There are going to be other teams that value what he brings to the table. And from the Grizzlies' standpoint, you know, moving off of a contract like Stephen Adams, uh, in part was to give this team flexibility, some some relief from being, you know, the first apron, uh, potentially, uh, you know, those luxury tax uh, limitations that they're going to experience next season. So going to sign or in, they'd have to sign and trade for Nick Claxton if that was a move to be made more than likely. Uh, to do that, you would pretty much put yourself back uh, in that same spot, and, and they would be facing a lot of restrictions uh, going forward. So, uh in in my mind, if you make the move to get Nick Claxton, that's basically your final big splash move around the court. And you're saying this has to be the group that can get it done. Uh, so I don't think it's the most realistic thing. The only way, the only reason that we're really talking about it from a realistic standpoint is because of the fact that he's from Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, after their junior years, he and John Morant, uh, Devontae Pax, they played on the same uh, AAU team and whatnot, and, you know, there's that connection. So I talked to him, you know, as you mentioned, after the game, and, you know, he's, he's got a real good relationship with those guys. Like, he's the last player to leave the court uh, after the uh, the Grizzlies and Nets play because he's over there talking to T. Morant, talking to Devontae Pat, catching up with those guys. You've seen him during the game. He wore the uh, Hunger Jawans. He's worn Jawans probably uh, one of the most, you know, one of the players who's worn them the most this season in the NBA. And, the sense I get from this, like he he he's not going to turn down the idea of potentially teaming up with John Moran. Clearly, he said that like John Moran is one of the most talented players he's ever like played with. Uh, he loves John's passing and things like that. But uh, he he definitely didn't turn down the idea. He said he he looked me and I. He's like, man, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens. So uh, I think. It's also probably what his agent wanted yeah, to say, that, too. That's smart, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good work you by can't, Nick. Can't say, you can't say too much at this point, uh, and especially his name is a popular one out there uh, in Brooklyn. So he's not going to say too much. But, again, it's a conversation to be had because of the, the familiarity. What do you think the Grizzlies are going to target at that spot? Like, what skill set do you think they're going to target for the spot next to Jaron? Yeah, you, you. I mean, that's the thing. It's next to Jaron, but there are different ways they could go about it. I think at the end of the day, it has to be someone who can rebound the heck out of the basketball. It's got to be a great great rebounder. Uh, it's got to be a great defender. And I think those are the two things that they'll value more than anything. They don't need someone who can score 15 to 20 points per game because you're going to have three guys in your lineup that can do that. And Marcus Smart, a fourth, who's been consistently a double-digit scorer in his career. So you don't need – someone to come in and, you know, feed Jonas Valanciunas or, or whatever the case may be. You just need someone who's going to, you know, in a way play a similar role to Steven Adams. Uh, I like to think of, like, when you look at the center spot, like, because 
we're kind of married to the idea that the Grizzlies are going to just go get a center. But they've been telling us in so many ways, like, James Jackson Jr. is kind of auditioning for the five role right now. Like, they've been exclusively playing him at the five. We haven't seen him play the four as of late. You know, that's why Shanti is only playing the four. Shanti is not moving to five. It's Jaren completely playing the five right now. And so that kind of opens me up to the idea that they could pursue you know, one of those fours uh, who rebound the ball well but don't really give you that much shooting. Uh, like a name that pops off the top of my head, like the type of player, the mode that they could potentially pursue is like a Jerry Vanderbilt. Great rebounder, mm. solid defender. So uh, we're all focused on the five, and they well, could they could they could I, swerve I, here a well, little bit. Well, this has kind of been what I what I've been starting to consider, like. Obviously, we'll know more when when Brandon gets back on the floor health wise. But like, is yeah. it entirely possible that the, their solution is most of the minutes are going to be Brandon at the four, Jaron at the five? Like that exactly. is to me, like I see that as a, a a possibility. That's exactly where I was getting to. Like I was mentioned, Jared Vanderbilt is like the outside option, but even inside, like same thing with Brandon Clark. Like I think the idea of the Grizzlies getting that four, who's not really a you know great shooter, but someone who can rebound the basketball and who has position versatility as a defender, they'll be fine with that. And Brandon Clark can give you that. Jared Vanderbilt. Um, it's a bunch of guys, you know, in the league who kind of play that role where they wouldn't be fit on every team because every team wouldn't have a center, like in Jared's case, who's going to shoot probably four three-pointers again. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's almost like when you're trying to look at, like, all the financials and whatnot, it's like, okay, maybe, like, that is, like, kind of the plan. And it's like, if something else were to develop, they would they would take a look at it. But it's almost like when you look at, when you look at all the financials and, like, what the roster is in terms of salary cap, it's like, they don't have a ton of flexibility right now. No. Nah, yeah, they, they don't. And, and another thing is you see them adding these 10-day contracts. Where have they been adding that? Guard. Forward. Yep. They're not bringing in... Any more centers outside of adding Trey, Trey Jemison uh, to a two-way contract. So that's telling me that they are pretty much focusing on Jaron Jackson Jr. getting a lot of reps at the center spot. They could easily go out and sign a center on a 10-day and have him, Trey Jemison, and then move Jaron to the four. And, oh, yeah, let's play him in his more natural spot. But no. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I mean, if you're thinking even big picture, like a lot of people will tell you that the four is Gigi Jackson's future position. Like, if you're just thinking two years ahead from now, uh, and if you're keeping Jaron at the four, something something's going to have to happen there eventually. So uh, maybe that's that's kind of part of the, the thought process in terms of you want to kind of groom Jaron for this five role because eventually Gigi Jackson could potentially make his way into the starting lineup, you know, as your power forward and whatever the case may be. So um, I think I'm starting to lean more to the idea that they're going to put Jaren, you know, at center, uh, I, I I still think that they, you know, like will pursue. You know, so you don't think they're going to go get even if it's not like you know Nick Claxton or someone someone who's yeah. going to cost twelve million dollars. They're going to add a center though this offseason, sure. right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that so. that they, that could be the yeah. draft pick. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I think they'll add a vet. I think mm-hmm. I think they add a vet like you know a guy like Drummond come off the bench. Physical, physical player, give you 15 minutes a game, dominate while he's in the game. They could add someone like that. I, I really could see that happen. Um, with the draft pick, 
here's my thing. Like, of course, there's the idea you can move it, whatever the case may be. But I think when we talk about the limitations, this draft is pretty much the perfect opportunity for them to go into this next era of Grizzlies basketball where they can get a high upside cost-controlled player for the next five seasons. And when I think upside, I don't think center position, especially in this draft. Uh, you see Stephon Castle from UConn. You see Rob Dillingham from Kentucky. Like, sure, those guys don't, quote-unquote, fit like the need of what the Grizzlies have right now. But in two to three years, when, oh, you're not able to extend Luke Kennard because of how much he costs, you can just say, oh, no, we don't have to sweat that. We got Rob Dillingham or Stephon Castle um, scoring 23 points a game in the G League, ready to come play minutes with the Grizzlies. Like, don't, that is kind of how you have to think. I think in the Grizzlies' case now, since uh, they're about to start operating on the margins more. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of starting to lean away from the idea of adding a center in the draft because, one, no one really stands out to me, and you shouldn't waste this pick on need. Like, this is a crucial pick for them. Like the Zaire Williams pick was crucial at that time, uh, this is a crucial pick, and you, they can't miss on it. I'm kind of liking Klingon. As he I gets. Mean, is he? I'm telling him like the one problem that I have with him, but we're used to it. Like he does get into foul trouble, exactly. But I think he's, I think he's pretty good. And Jaron got into foul trouble in college too. I like, I like him. I, and, and my thing is, like, I like him. But when you talk about ready now, like, is he someone that I want in a game guard? Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Ivica Zubac, um, you know, Jokic. The list goes on. Like the Western Conference has all these big bruising physical centers that average 10, 11, 12 rebounds a game. Like, I'm almost thinking, though, like, I'm not, I'm thinking that that's going to be Jaron's role. Like, I'm thinking, like, this is the, you're getting your third big, or I don't know how we're counting Santi because you're saying he's the four. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, you know, I'm in camp trade the pick. Yeah, but I just don't think it's going to be that easy. You don't think it's going to have that much value? Uh, I don't, I don't think everyone's going to be jumping, 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 jumping to, now, I do like Dillingham. Yeah, I think that's that's does that I mean that makes sense to you, right? Like the idea of getting one of these young guards because there's so many guards in that six to ten range. There's only one big, the one you just mentioned. That's it. Um, but there's so many guards. You go get one of those young guards. So oh, you don't got to, you know. The other thing I like about clinging it, the because the one thing, the one question, like when we're laying this all out, is does how does this affect Ja? Because Ja is like we saw. Jaws at his best when Steven Adams was setting a screen. He could get downhill. Klingon kind of has that, and he's a better he's better like rolling to the basket, and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like when you're watching a college big trying to project that to the NBA, it's like I have no idea. It's a whole different game. Correct. Yeah. There's just a whole different level of athlete at the at the big. Yeah, well, that's yeah, and and this is why again the games it feels like don't just don't matter. Like everything is off the court. Is what you're interested oh, yeah. in. Like, ultimately, I guess you're saying they're experimenting with Jaron at the five. My gut tells me, ultimately, you're, he's never going to be a full-time five. To me, the ideal is maybe, you know, like the like the Timberwolves series. He's closing, at, he's closing games at the five with Brandon Clark or someone else. I don't think you necessarily, I think you might, and I think, I think you might, kind of diminish Jaron a little bit and diminish the team a little bit if you're playing him at the five exclusively because, frankly, he's not a good rebounder. He's not a good screen yeah. center setter. And so, like, to me, it, it it's fine right now. These games don't matter. And I, I think it makes sense to, like, okay, let's see for a 25-game span 
what it looks like with him as a full-time five. But ultimately, my gut tells me he's only going to be playing five, the five situationally the rest of his career. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think he'll ever be a, a great traditional center, but uh, if you surround him with the right type of players, you know, like Vince Williams is a very good re- rebounder. Yeah, very good rebounder. And you get one more. You know, Brandon Clark is a solid rebounder. Uh, you get like a, like I said, like a Jared Vanderbilt, like guys who pretty much put their all into rebounding around him. I, I think you can kind of at least make up for it a little bit. It won't be as much of a weakness as it is right now when you just you know, spread the floor around him and expect, you know, put him in a situation where if he doesn't rebound, the team, you know, doesn't get bored. Well, it will be interesting to see how this offseason progresses. Certainly the, I would say, right, the most captivating offseason since Ja got here. Does that does that sound right to you? Like, in terms of, like, you don't really know exactly what they're going to do. I know they made the move for Marcus Smart last offseason. That kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, that was a big move. Like, it just feels like the, you know, a, a high, a most anticipated offseason in a long time for the Grizzlies coming up. I think so, because this we haven't seen a situation like this where Ja's next contract is in play. Desmond Bain's contract turns over uh, this offseason. So now he's going from that rookie deal uh, to make it over $20 million, $30 million a year. And Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, after this upcoming offseason, we're going to be having extension talks, you know, uh, with him. So uh, this is the offseason where you got to hit on some of these marginal moves. So when you go into that luxury tax era, you have, you know, chips already on your team in place. Uh, so you can, you know, kind of be consistently good over the next five years. Michael, we appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Michael.